Six Feet a Bard is proud to present Hamlet by William Shakespeare, Act One. Who's there? Nay, answer me. Stand and unfold yourself. Long live the king! Bernardo? He. You come most carefully upon your hour. Tis now struck twelve. Get thee to bed, Francisco. For this relief much thanks. Tis bitter cold, and I am sick at heart. Have you had quite a guard? Not a mouse stirring. Well, good night. If you do meet Horatio and Marcellus, the rivals of my watch, bid them make haste. I think I hear them. Stand ho! Who is there? Friends to this ground. And liegemen to the Dane. Give you good night. Oh, farewell, honest soldier, who hath relieved you. Bernardo hath my place. Give you good night. Holla, Bernardo. Hey, what is Horatio there? A piece of him. Welcome, Horatio. Welcome, good Marcel. What? Has this thing appeared again tonight? I have seen nothing. Horatio says tis but our fantasy and will not let belief take hold of him, touching this dreaded sight twice seen of us. Therefore, I have entreated him along with us to watch the minutes of this night, that, if again this apparition come, he may approve our eyes and speak to it. Shush, shush. It will not appear. Sit down a while, and let us once again assail your ears, that are so fortified against our story. But we have two nights seen. Last night of all. And yon same star that's westward from the pole had made his course to illuminate that part of heaven where now it burns. Marcellus and myself. Then, without be Peace, there. break thee off. Look where it comes again. In the same figure. The king that's dead. Thou art a scholar. Speak to it, Horatio. Looks he not like the king. Mark it, Horatio. Most like. It harrows me with fear and wonder. It would be spoke to. Speak to it, Horatio. What art thou that usurpest this time of night? Together with that fair and warlike form in which the majesty of buried Denmark did sometimes march, by heaven, I charge thee, speak. It is offended. See, it stalks away. Stay. Speak. Speak, I charge thee, speak. Tis gone and will not answer. Oh no, Horatio. You tremble. You look pale. Is not this something more than fantasy? I think you want. Before my God, I might not disbelieve without the sensible and true avouch of mine own eyes. Is it not like the king? As thou art to thyself, such was the very armor he had on when he, the ambitious Norway, combated. So frowned he once when in an angry parley he smote the slitted poleaxe on the ice. Tis strange. Thus twice before and jump at this dead hour with martial stock hath he gone by our watch. In what particular thought to work, I know not. But in the gross and scope of mine opinion, this body's some strange eruption to our state. Good, now sit down and tell me, he, he that knows, why the same strict and most observant watch so nightly tolls the subject of the land. 
and why such daily cast of brazen cannon and foreign mart for implements of war, why such impress of shipwrights whose sore task does not divide the Sunday from the week, what might be toward that the sweaty haste doth make the night joint lever with the day? Who is that can inform me? That can I. At least the whisper goes so. Our last king, whose image even now but appeared to us, was, as you know, by Fortinbras of Norway. There too pricked on by a most emulate pride, dared to the combat in which our valiant Hamlet, for so this side of our known world esteemed him, did slay this Fortinbras, who by a sealed compact, well ratified by law and heraldry, did forfeit with his life all those his lands which he stood seized of to the conqueror, against the which a moiety competent was gauged by our king, which had returned to the inheritance of Fortinbras, had he been vanquisher, as by the same comart and carriage of the article designed, his fell to Hamlet. Now, sir, young Fortinbras, of unimproved metal, hot and full, hath in the skirts of Norway here and there, shocked up a list of lawless resolutes for food and diet to some enterprise that hath a stomach in it, which is no other, as it doth well appear unto our state, but to recover of us by strong hand and terms compulsory those forsaid lands by his father lost. And this, I take it, is the main motive of our preparations, the source of this our watch, and the chief head of this post-haste and rummage in the land. I think it be no other, but even so. Well, may it sort that this portentous figure comes armed through our watch, so like the king that was and is the question of these wars. A moat it is to trouble the mind's eye. In the most high and palmy state of Rome, a little ere the mightiest Julius fell, the graves stood tenantless and the sheeted dead did speak and gibber in the Roman streets, as stars with trains of fire and dews of blood, disasters in the sun and the most star, upon whose influence Neptune's empire stands was sick almost to doomsday with eclipse, and even the like precurse of feared events as harbingers preceding still the fates and prologue to the omen coming on. Have heaven and earth together demonstrated unto our climatures and countrymen. But soft, behold, lo where it comes again. I'll cross it though it blasts me. Stay, illusion! If thou hast any sound or use of voice, speak to me. If there be any good thing to be done that may to thee do ease and grace to me, speak to me. If thou art privy to the country's fate, which haply foreknowing may avoid, O oh, speak. Or if thou hast abhorred in thy life, exhorted treasure in the womb of earth, for which they say you spirits oft walk in death, speak of it. Stay and speak! Stop it, Marcellus. Shall I strike it with my partisan? Do if it will not stand. Tis here. Tis here. Tis gone. We do it wrong, being so majestical, to offer the show of violence, for it is as the air, invulnerable, 
and Arvain blows malicious mockery. It was about to speak when the cock crew. And then it started like a guilty thing upon a fearful summons. I have heard the cock, that is the trumpet to the morn, doth with his lofty and shrill-sounding throat awake the god of day, and at his warning, whether in sea or fire, in earth or air, the extravagant and erring spirit hies to his confine, and of the truth herein, this present object made probation. It faded on the crowning of the cock. Some say that ever against the season comes wherein our Savior's birth is celebrated, this bird of dawning singeth all night long, and then, they say, no spirit there stirred abroad, the nights are wholesome, then no planet strike, no fairy takes, nor witch hath power to charm, so hallowed and so gracious is that time. So have I heard, and do in part believe it, but look, the morn in russet mantle clad walks o'er the dew of yon high eastward hill. Break we our watch up, and by my advice let us impart what we have seen tonight unto young Hamlet. For upon my life, this spirit, dumb to us, will speak to him. Do you consent we shall acquaint him with it, as needful in our loves fitting our duty? Let's do it, I pray, and I this morning know where we shall find them most convenient. Yet of Hamlet, our dear brother's death, the memory be green, and that is us be fitted to bear our hearts in grief, and our whole kingdom to be contracted in one brow of woe. Yet so far hath discretion fought with nature, that we with wisest sorrow think on him, together with remembrance of ourselves. Therefore, sometimes, sister, now our queen, the imperial jointress to this warlike state, have we, as towards a defeated joy, with an auspicious and a drooping eye, with mirth in funeral and dirge in marriage, an equal scale wearing delight and dole, taken to wife? Nor have we herein borrowed your better wisdoms, which have freely gone with this affair along. For all our thanks. Now follows that you know. Young Fortinbras, holding a weak supposal of our worth, our thinking by our late brother's death, our state to be disjoint and out of frame, colleagued with his dream of advantage. He hath not paled to pester us with message, imposing the surrender of those lands lost by his father, with all bonds of law to our most valiant brother. So much for him. Now for ourself, and for this time of meeting. Thus much the business is. We have here writ to Norway, uncle of young Fortinbras, who, impotent and bedrid, scarcely hears of his nephew's purpose, to suppress his further gate herein, in that he levies the lists, and full proportions are all made out of his subject. And we here dispatch you, good Cornelius, and, and you, Valtamond, for bearers of this greeting to old Norway, giving to you no further personal power to business with the king more than the scope of these dilated articles follow. Farewell, and let your haste command your duty. In, in that, that and all and things, all things will we show, show our, our duty. duty. We doubt it nothing. Heartily farewell. And now, Laertes, what's the news with you? You told us of some suit. What is it, Laertes? You cannot speak of reason to the Dane and lose your voice. What wouldst thou beg, Laertes? That shalt not be my offer, not thy asking. 
The head is not more naive to the heart, the hand more instrumental to the mouth, than is the throne of Denmark to thy father. What wouldst thou have, Laertes? My dread lord, your leave and favor to return to France. From whence, though willingly, I came to Denmark to show my duty in your coronation. Yet now I must confess that duty done, my thoughts and wishes bend again toward France, and bow them to your gracious leave and pardon. Have you your father's leave? Uh, what says you, Polonius? Hath, my lord, wrung me from my slow leave by laborsome petition, and at last, upon his will, I sealed my hard consent. I do beseech you, give him leave to go. Take thy fair hour, Laertes. Time be thine, and thy best grace is spent at thy will. But now, my cousin Hamlet and my son. A little more than kin and less than kind. How is it that the clouds still hang on you? Not so, my lord, I am too much in the sun. Good Hamlet, cast thy knighted color off, and let thine eye look like a friend on Denmark. Do not forever with thy veiled lives seek for thy noble father in the dust. Thou knowest tis common that all lives must die, passing through nature to eternity. Ay, madame, it is common. If it be, why seems it so particular with thee? Seems, madame, nay, it is. I know not seems. Tis not alone my inky cloak, good mother, nor customary suits of solemn black, nor windy suspiration of forced breath, no, nor the fruitful river in the eye, nor the dejected behavior of the visage, together with all forms, moods, shapes of grief that can denote me truly, these indeed seem. For they are actions that a man might play, but I have that within which passes show but these, the trappings and the suits of woe. Tis sweet and commendable in your nature, Hamlet, to give those mourning duties to your father. But you must know your father lost a father, that father lost, lost his, and the survivor bound in filial obligation for some term to do obsequious sorrow. But to persevere in obstinate condolment is a course of impious stubbornness. Tis unmanly grief. It shows a will most incorrect to heaven, a heart unfortified, mind impatient and understanding simple and unschooled. For what we know must be and is as common as any of the most vulgar thing to sense. Why should we, in our peevish opposition, take it to the heart? Fie, tis our fault to heaven, a fault against the dead, a fault to nature, to reason most absurd, whose common theme is death of fathers, and, and who still hath cried from the first course till he that died today. This must be so. We pray you, throw to earth this unprevailing woe, and think of us as a father. For let the world take note. You are the most immediate to our throne, and with no less nobility of love than that which dearest father bears his son, do I impart towards you. <laughs> For your intent, I am going back to school in Wittenberg. It is most retrograde to your desire, and we beseech you, bend you to remain here in the cheer and comfort of our eye, our chiefest courtier and cousin and our son. Let not thy mother lose her prayers, Hamlet. I pray thee, stay with us. Go not to Wittenberg. I shall in all my best obey you, madame. Why, tis a loving and fair reply. Be as yourself in Denmark. Madam, come. This gentle and unforced accord of Hamlet sits smiling to my heart, in grace whereof no jocund health that Denmark drinks today, but the great cannon to all the clouds shall tell, and the kings who rouse the heaven shall boot again, re-speaking earthly thunder. Come away.
that this too, too sullied flesh would melt, thaw and resolve itself into a dew, or that the everlasting had not fixed his ken against self-slaughter. Oh God, God, how weary, stale, flat, and unprofitable seem to me all the uses of this world. Fie on it, ah, fie, tis an unweeded garden that grows to seed. Things rank and gross in nature possess it merely. That it should come to this, but two months dead, nay, not so much, not two. So excellent a king that was to this Hyperion to a satyr, so loving to my mother that he might not beteem the winds of heaven visit her face too roughly. Heaven and earth must I remember. Why, she would hang on him as if increase of appetite had grown by what it fed on. And yet within a month, let me not think on it, frailty thy name is woman, a little month, or ere those shoes were old, with which she followed my poor father's body, like Niobe, all tears, why she, even she, oh God, a beast that wants discourse of reason would have mourned longer, married with my uncle, my father's brother, but no more like my father than I to Hercules. Within a month, ere yet the salt of most unrighteous tears had left the flushing in her gaelid eyes, she married. Oh, most wicked speed to post with such dexterity to incestuous sheets. It is not, nor it cannot come to good, but break my heart, for I must hold my tongue. Hail to your lordship. I am glad to see you well. Horatio, or I do forget myself. The same, my lord, and your poor servant ever. Sir, my good friend, I'll change that name with you. And what make you from Wittenberg, Horatio? Marcellus. My good lord. I am very glad to see you. Good eve, sir. But what in faith make you from Wittenberg? A truant disposition good, my lord. I would not hear your enemy say so, nor shall you do my ear that violence to make it truster of your own report against yourself. I know you are no truant, but what is your affair in Ilsenor? We'll teach you to drink deep ere you depart. My lord, I came to see your father's funeral. I prithee, do not mock me, fellow student. I think it was to see my mother's wedding. Indeed, my lord, it followed hard upon. Thrift, thrift, Horatio. The funeral baked meats did coldly furnish forth the marriage tables. Where I had met my dearest foe in heaven, or ever I had seen that day, Horatio. My father, methinks I see my father. Where, my lord? In my mind's eye, Horatio. I saw him once. He was a goodly king. He was a man. Take him for all in all. I shall not look upon his like again. My lord, I think I saw him yesternight. Saw who? My lord, the king, your father. The king, my father? Season your admiration for a while with an intent ear, till I may deliver upon the witness of these gentlemen this marvel to you. For God's love, let me hear. Two nights together had these gentlemen, Marcellus and Bernardo, on their watch, in the dead waste and middle of the night, been thus encountered. A figure like your father, armed at point, exactly cap a pie, appears before them, with solemn march, goes slow and stately by them. Thrice he walked by their oppressed and fear-surprised eyes within his truncheon's length, whilst they, distilled almost to jelly with the act of fear, stand dumb and speak not to him. This to me in dreadful secrecy in part they did, and I with them the third night kept the watch, whereas they had delivered both in time form of the thing each word made true and good. The apparition comes. I knew your father. These hands are not more like. Did you not speak to it? 
my lord, I did, but answer made it none. Yet once, methought it lifted up its head, and did address itself to motion, like as it would speak. But even then the morning cock crew loud, and at the sound it shrunk in haste away, and vanished from our sight. Tis very strange. As I do live, my honoured lord, tis true. And we did think it writ down in our duty to let you know of it. Indeed, sirs, but this troubles me. Hold you the watch tonight. We do, we my, do lord. my lord. Armed, say you? Armed, my lord. My lord. From top to toe? My lord, from, from head, head to, foot. to foot. Then saw you not his face? Oh, yes, my lord. He wore his beaver up. What, looked he frowningly? A countenance more in sorrow than in anger. Pale or red? Nay, very pale. And fixed his eyes upon you? More constantly. I would I had been there. It would have much amazed you. Very like. Stayed it long. While one with moderate haste might tell a hundred. Longer, longer. Not when I sought. His beard was gristled, no? It was as I have seen it in his life. A sable silvered. I will watch tonight. Perchance he will walk again. I warrant it will. If it assume my noble father's person, I'll speak to it. Though hell itself should gape and bid me hold my peace. I pray you all, if you have hitherto concealed this sight, let it be tenable in your silence still. And whatsoever else shall hap tonight, give an understanding but no tongue. And we will quite your loves, so fare you well. Upon the platform, twixt eleven and twelve, I'll visit you. Our duty to your honor. Your loves, as mine to you, farewell. My father's spirit in arms! All is not well. I doubt some foul play. With the night were come, till then sit still my soul. Foul deeds will rise, though all the earth overwhelm them to men's eyes. My necessaries are embarked. Farewell. And, sister, as the winds give benefit and convey as assistant, do not sleep, but let me hear from you. Do you doubt that? For Hamlet and the trifling of his favor, hold it a fashion and a toy in blood, a violet in the youth of primy nature, forward, not permanent, sweet, not lasting, the perfume and suppliance of a minute, no more. No more, but so. Think it no more. For nature, Crescent, does not grow alone in thews and bulk, but as this temple waxes, the inward service of the mind and soul grows wide withal. Perhaps he loves you now. And now no soil nor cowtel doth smirch the virtue of his will. But you must fear. His greatness weighed, his will is not his own. For he himself is subject to his birth. He may not, as unvalued persons do, car for himself, for on his choice depends the safety and the health of this whole state. And therefore must his choice be circumscribed unto the voice and yielding of that body, whereof he's the head. Then, if he says he loves you, it fits your wisdom so far to believe it, as he, in his particular act and place, may give his saying deed, which is no further than the main voice of Denmark goes withal. Then weigh what loss your honor may sustain, if with too credent ear you list his songs, or lose your heart or your chaste treasure open to his unmastered importunity. Fear it, Ophelia. Fear it, my dear sister and keep you in the rear of your affection, out of the shot and danger of desire. The chariot's maid is prodigal enough if she unmask her beauty to the moon. Virtue itself scapes not calumnious strokes, 
the canker galls, the infants of the spring, too oft before their buttons be disclosed. And in the morn and liquid dew of youth, contagious blasphemies are most imminent. Be wary, then. Best safety lies in fear. Youth to itself rebels, though none else near. I shall the effect of this good lesson keep as watchman to my heart. But good, my brother, do not as some ungracious pastures do. Show me the steep and thorny way to heaven, whilst like a puffed and reckless Lippert line, himself the primrose path of deliance treads, and wrecks not his own reed. Oh, fear me not. I stay too long, but here my father comes. A double blessing is a double grace. Occasion smile upon a second leave. Yet here, Laertes? Aboard, aboard, for shame! The wind sits in the shoulder of your sail, and you are stayed for. There, my blessing with thee. And these few precepts in thy memory. Look thou character. Give thy thoughts no tongue, nor any unproportioned thought his act. Be thou familiar, but by no means vulgar. Those friends thou hast, and their adoption tried, grapple them unto thy soul with hoops of steel. But do not dull thy palm with entertainment of each new-hatched, unfledged courage. Beware of entrance to a quarrel, but, being in, bear it that the opposed may beware of thee. Give every man thy ear, but few thy voice. Take each man's censure, but reserve thy judgment. Costly thy habit as thy purse can buy, but not expressed in fancy, rich, not gaudy, for the apparel oft proclaims the man, and they in France of the best rank and station are of a most select and generous chief in that. Neither a borrower nor a lender be, for loan oft loses itself and friend, and borrowing dulls the edge of husbandry. This above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow, as the night, the day, thou canst not be false to any man. <clears throat> Farewell, my blessing season this in thee. Most humbly do I take my leave, my lord. The time invests you. Go. Your servants tend. Farewell, Ophelia, and remember well what I have said to you. Tis in my memory locked, and you yourself shall keep the key of it. Farewell. What is it, Ophelia, he hath said to you? So please you, something touching the Lord Hamlet? Mary, well be thought. Tis told me he hath very oft of late given private time to you, and you yourself have of your audience been most free and bounteous. If it be so, as so tis put on me, and that in way of caution, I must tell you, you do not understand yourself so clearly, as it behooves my daughter and your honor. What is it between you? Give me up the truth. He hath, my lord, of late made many tenders of his affections to me. Affection? <gasps> you speak like a green girl, unsifted in such perilous circumstance. Do you believe his tenders, as you call them? I do not know, my lord. What should I think? Mary, I will teach you. 
Think yourself a baby, that you have taken these tenders for true pay, which are not sterling. Tender yourself more dearly, or not to crack the wind of the poor phrase, running it thus, you'll tender me a fool. My lord, he hath importuned me with love in honorable fashion. A fashion, you may call it. Go to, go to. And hath given countenance to his speech, my lord, with almost all the holy vows of heaven. I springs to catch woodcocks. I do know when the blood burns, how prodigal the soul lends the tongue vows. These blazes, daughter, giving more light than heat, extinct in both, even in their promises as it is a making, you must not take for fire. From this time, be something scanter of your maiden presence. Set your entreatments at a higher rate than a command to parle. For Lord Hamlet, believe so much in him that he is young, and with a larger tether may he walk than may be given you. In few, Ophelia, do not believe his vows, for they are brokers, not of that dye which their investments show, but mere implorators of holy suits, breathing like sanctified and pious bods, the better to beguile. This is for all. I would not, in plain terms, from this time forth, have you so slander any moment leisure as to give words or talk with the Lord Hamlet. Look to it, I charge you. Come your ways. I shall obey, my lord. The air bites shrewdly. It is very cold. It is a nipping and an eager air. What hour now? I think it lacks of twelve. Mm, no, it is struck. Indeed, I heard it not. It then draws near the season wherein the spirit held his want to walk. What does this mean, my lord? The king doth wake tonight and take his rouse, keeps sail and the swaggering upspring reels, and as he drains his droughts of runnish down, the kettle drum and trumpet thus bray out the triumph of his pledge. Is it a custom? I marry it is. But to my mind, though I am native here, and to the manner born, it is a custom more honored in the breach than the observance. This heavy-headed revel east and west makes us traduced and taxed of other nations. They cleft us drunkards, and the Swedish phrase soil our addition. And indeed, it takes from our achievements, though performed at height, the pith and marrow of our attribute. So oft it chances in particular men that for some vicious mole of nature in them is in their birth wherein they are not guilty since nature cannot choose its origin. By the overgrowth of some complexion, oft breaking down the pales and forts of reason, or by some habit that too much overleavens the form, floss of manners, that these men, carrying, I say, the stamp of one defect, being nature's livery or fortune's star, his virtues else, be they as pure as grace, as infinite as men may undergo, shall in the general censure take corruption from that particular fault. 
The dram of evil doth all the noble substance of it out to his own scandal. Look, my lord, it comes. Angels and ministers of grace defend us. Be thou a spirit of health or goblin damned. Bring the airs from heaven or blast from hell. Be thy intents wicked or charitable, thou comest in such a questionable shape that I will speak to thee. I'll call thee Hamlet, King, Father, Royal Dane. Oh, answer me, let me not burst in ignorance, but tell why thy canonized bones, here I said in death, have burst their cerements. Why the spelcher wherein we saw thee quietly interred hath opt his ponderous and marble jaws to cast thee up again. What may this mean that thou dead corse again in complete steel revisits thus the glimpses of the moon-making night hideous and we fools of nature, so hardly to shake our disposition with thoughts beyond the reaches of our souls? Say, why is this? Wherefore? What should we do? It beckons you to go away with it, as if it's some impartment did desire to you alone. Look! With what courteous action it wafts you to a more removed ground, but do not go with it. No, by no means. It will not speak. Then I will follow it. Do not, my lord. Why, what should be the fear? I do not set my life at a pin's fee. And for my soul, what can it do to that, being a thing immortalized itself? It weighs me forth again. I'll follow it. What if it tempts you toward the flood, my lord? Or to the dreadful summit of the cliff that beetles o'er his base into the sea, and there assume some other horrible form which might deprive your sovereignty of reason and draw you into madness. Think of it. The very place puts toys of desperation without more motive into every brain that looks so many fathoms to the sea and hears it roar beneath. It waves me still. Go on. I'll follow thee. You shall not go, my lord. Hold off your hands. Be ruled, you shall not go. My fate cries out and makes each petty archer in this body as hardy as the Neiman lion's nerve. So am I called. And hand me, gentlemen. By heaven, I'll make a ghost of him that lets me. I say away. Go on. I'll follow thee. He waxes desperate with imagination. Let's follow. Tis not fit thus to obey him. Have after. Till what issue will this come? Something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Heaven will direct it. Nay. Let's follow him. Whither wilt thou lead me? Speak. I'll go no further. Mark me. I will. My hour is almost come when I, to sulfurous and tormenting flames, must render up myself. Alas, poor ghost! Pity me not, but lend thy serious hearing to what I shall unfold. Speak. I am bound here. So art thou to revenge when thou shalt hear. What? I am thy father's spirit, doomed for a certain time to walk the night, and for the day confined to fast and fires, till the foul crimes done in my days of nature are burnt and purged away. But that I am forbid to tell the secrets of my prison house, I could a tale unfold whose lightest word would harrow up thy soul, freeze thy young blood, make thy two eyes like stars start from their spheres, thy knotted and combined locks to part, and each particular hair to stand an end, 
like quills upon the fearful porpentine. But this eternal blazon must not be to ears of flesh and blood. List, list, oh, list, if thou didst ever thy dear father love. Oh, God. Revenge his foul and most unnatural murder. Murder? Murder most foul, as in the best it is, but this most foul, strange, and unnatural. Haste me to note that I, with wings as swift as meditation, or the thoughts of love may sweep to my revenge. I find thee apt, and duller shouldst thou be than the fat weed that roots itself in ease on lathe wharf, wouldst thou not stir in this. Now, Hamlet, here. Tis given out that, sleeping in my orchard, a serpent stung me. So the holier of Denmark is by a forged process of my death rankly abused. But know, thou noble youth, the serpent that did sting thy father's life now wears his crown. Oh, my prophetic soul, my uncle. I, that incestuous, that adulterate beast, with witchcraft of his wits, with traitorous gifts, O oh, wicked wit and gifts that have the power so to seduce, won to his shameful lust the will of my most seeming virtuous queen. O oh, Hamlet, what a falling off was there from me, whose love was of that dignity that it went hand in hand, even with the vow I made to her in marriage, and to decline upon a wretch whose natural gifts were poor to those of mine. But virtue, as it never will be moved, though lewdness courted in a shape of heaven, so lust, though to a radiant angel linked, will sate itself in a celestial bed and prey on garbage. But soft, methinks I sent the morning air. Brief let me be. Sleeping within my orchard, my custom always of the afternoon, upon my secure hour thy uncle stole, with juice of cursed hibona in a vial, and in the porches of my ears did pour the leprous distillment, whose effect holds such an enmity with blood of man, that swift as quicksilver it courses through the natural gates and alleys of the body, and with a sudden vigor it doth posit and curd, like eager droppings into milk the thin and wholesome blood. So did it mine, and a most instant tetter barked about, most lazar-like, with vile and loathsome crust all my smooth body. Thus was I, sleeping by a brother's hand of life, of crown, of queen, at once dispatched, cut off, even in the blossoms of my sin, unhouseled, disappointed, unannaled, no reckoning made but sent to my account with all my imperfections on my head. Oh, horrible! Oh, horrible! Most horrible! If thou hast nature in thee, bear it not. Let not the royal bed of Denmark be a couch for luxury and damned incest. But howsomever thou pursues this act, taint not thy mind, nor let thy soul contrive against thy mother aught. Leave her to heaven, Enter those thorns that in her bosom lodge to prick and sting her. Fare thee well at once. The glowworm shows the matin to be near, and gins to pale his uneffectual fire. Adieu, adieu, adieu. Remember me. Oh, all you host of heaven, O oh earth, what else? 
And shall I couple hell, oh fie, hold hold of my heart? And you, my sinews grown not instant old, but bear me stiffly up. Remember thee. Like thou, poor ghost, whilst memory holds a seat in this distracted globe, remember thee. Yeah. From the table of my memory, I'll wipe away all trivial fond records, all saws of books, all forms, all pressures past thy youth and observation copied there, and thy commandment all alone shall live within the book and volume of my brain, unmixed with baser matter. Yes, by heaven, O oh most pernicious woman, O oh villain, villain, smiling, damned villain. My tables, meet it is I set it down, that one may smile and smile and be a villain. At least I am sure it may be so in Denmark. So, uncle, there you are. Now, to my word, it is adieu. Adieu, remember me. I've sworn it. My lord, my lord. Lord Hamlet. Heaven, secure him. So be it. Hello, my lord. Hello, ho, ho, boy. Come, bird, come. How is it, my noble lord? What news, my lord? Oh, wonderful. Good, my lord, tell it. No, you will reveal it. Not I, my lord, by heaven. Nor I, my lord. How say you then? What heart of man once think it, but you'll be secret? I, by, by heaven, heaven, my lord. My lord. There's never a villain dwelling in all Denmark, but he's an errant knave. There needs no ghost, my lord, come from the grave to tell us this. By right, you are in the right. And so, without more circumstance at all, I hold it fit that we shake hands and part. You, as your business and desire, shall point to you, for every man hath business and desire, such as it is. And for my own poor part, I will go pray. These are but wild and whirling words, my lord. I'm sorry they offend you. Heartedly. Yes, faith, heartedly. There's no offense, my lord. Yes, by St. Patrick, but there is Horatio. Much offense, too. Touching this vision here, it is an honest ghost. But let me tell you. For your desire to know what is between us, or mastered as you may. And now, good friends, as you are friends, scholars and soldiers, give me one poor request. What is't, my lord? We will. Never make known what you have seen tonight. My lord, my we lord, will not. We will not. Nay, but swear it. In faith, my lord, not I. Nor I, my lord, in faith. Upon my sword. We have sworn, my lord, already. Indeed, upon my sword, indeed. Swear. Ah, uh-huh. boy, sayst thou so? Art thou there, true penny? Come on, you hear this fellow in the cellarage? Consent to swear. Propose the oath, my lord. Never to speak of this that you have seen. Sir, by my sword. Swear. Hicket ubike. Then we'll shift our ground. Come hither, gentlemen, and lay your hands again upon my sword. Swear by my sword. Never to speak of this that you have heard. Swear by his sword. Well said, old mole. Canst work at the earth so fast? A worthy pioneer. Once more remove, good friends. O oh, day and night, but this is wondrous strange. And therefore, as a stranger, give it welcome. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. But come. Here as before, never so help you mercy. How strange or odd somewhere I bear myself, as I perchance hereafter shall think meet to put an antic disposition on. That you, at such times seeing me, never shall, with arms encumbered thus, or 
this head shake or by pronouncing of some doubtful phrase as, well, well, we know, or we could and if we would, or if we list to speak, or there be an if there might, or such ambiguous giving out to note that you ought not of me. This do swear. So grace and mercy at your most need help you. Swear. Rest, perturbed spirit. So gentlemen, with all my love I do commend me to you. And what so poor a man as Hamlet is may do it express his love and friending to you, God willing, shall not lack. Let us go in together, and still your fingers on your lips, I pray. The time is out of joint, O oh, cursed spite, that ever I was born to set it right. Nay, come. Let's go together. <laughs>